0: He was the world's most wanted criminal with a $25 million bounty on his head. For nearly 10 years after the horrific attacks on 9-11-01, Osama bin Laden was on the run. On the night of 1 May 2011, a U.S. special operations unit descended on a walled compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Less than 40 minutes later, Osama bin Laden, architect of the world's deadliest terror attack, was dead. I'm Oliver North, and in this War Stories podcast, you'll hear from the Special Operators, Navy SEALs, U.S. Army Special Forces, Air Force Spec Ops Aviators, and U.S. Marine Special Operators, MARSOC, who make these kinds of operations possible. In this Boots on the Ground War Stories podcast, we'll take you with us on heart-thumping covert intelligence collection missions, high-risk meets with clandestine informants, and rapid-response capture-kill missions. From months-long embeds with U.S. military spec ops units, NATO shadow warriors, and DEA FAST teams, you'll go with us on raids into Taliban strongholds and the chase to bring drug lords to justice. In this acclaimed podcast, you'll hear conversations with unsung spec ops heroes who fight in the shadows to take down terror kingpins and the commander of all allied forces fighting radical Islamic terror. After you listen to this podcast, Please let me know on my Facebook page what you think of how we're presenting the stories of America's heroes. USA,
1: USA, USA,
0: it was a celebration USA. 10 years in the making. Almost a decade after the attacks in New York, Washington, D.C., and Shanksville, Pennsylvania, the world's most wanted terrorist was finally dead. Yes, we did. It took years of intelligence gathering to locate bin Laden in Pakistan, hiding just outside the capital in this compound. Once identified, an elite special operations task force, U.S. Navy SEALs and U.S. Army Night Stalkers were sent in. The nation sent the best unit on
2: Earth to do the mission to to kill that guy. There was no hiccups. There was no pause. We
0: know what we're doing. That's why we're here. These are America's Special Operators, Navy SEALs, Army Special Forces, Air Force Special Ops, and the Marine Special Operations Command. Uniquely trained and equipped, these elite warriors execute some of the most difficult and dangerous missions in the war on terror. I'm Oliver North, and this is War Stories, coming to you from Nowzad, Afghanistan. Two years ago, we were here with Fox Company 2nd Battalion 7th Marines. They had to fight their way into this Helmand River Valley town, and back then, the only Afghan people here were Taliban fighters. Today, thanks to the courage and tenacity of brave Americans and our allies, the civilian population is, as you can see, returning. And Afghan army and police are partnered with Charlie Company, 1st Battalion, 8th Marines. Special operations forces and conventional U.S. units complement each other on this battlefield. They're the keys to success in this counterinsurgency. Stay with us for a gripping inside look at covert intelligence collection operations. High risk meets with clandestine informants and rapid response capture kill missions. We'll take you on a heart thumping raid into Taliban strongholds and you'll meet unsung heroes who fight in the shadows to take down the Taliban. Many of the young Americans serving today in Afghanistan were just kids when terrorists attacked on 9-11-01.
3: I was a uh, freshman in high school.
4: I was in my English 8th grade class. I was
5: babysitting my nephews.
0: I remember being in Mr. Moss's 11th grade English class. Armed with a desire to serve their country, they joined the military and are now deployed in the shadow of the Hindu Kush as part of NATO's International Security Assistance Force,
6: or ISAF was deployed somewhere around 80 to 85,000 additional ISAF forces. The vast majority of those, of course, uh, U.S. forces.
0: General David Petraeus, the U.S. Army four-star who led the surge in Iraq, commands ISAF, all U.S. and coalition forces in Afghanistan. Is that surge of Allied and coalition forces working here in Afghanistan?
6: I think What is accurate to say is that there is progress in certain locations, in quite a number of locations actually, where we've had those forces for a sufficient amount of time.
0: The military's counterinsurgency manual, authored by General Petraeus and Marine General James Amos, provides strategy and tactics to win
6: this kind of war. And then at a certain point, you're able to sufficiently secure the population and and literally clear and then hold those areas and the level of violence starts to go down. One of the keys to success is building host nation security forces. The United States has provided the funding for an additional 100,000 Afghan national security forces.
7: He's checking on his gun team, he's uh, checking the sectors to make sure that no one's down below his gun. How are they doing so far? So far, so good.
6: We're providing them the instruction they need and we're actually seeing the output of being a much more capable an effective force that's out there now performing in the field.
0: Lieutenant General William Caldwell commands the NATO training mission in Afghanistan.
6: We don't want to be here forever. We want to set the conditions for us to go home. We all have families at home. We do not want to remain in this country forever. So we have got to train them to do the
0: job themselves. But making the transition to an all-Afghan security force is a daunting
6: task. This is uh, an insurgency. Uh, All these different groups have symbiotic relationships, Uh, the Taliban. Haqqani Network, from Al-Qaeda, and a variety of others. There are elements of terrorism in and among that, of course.
0: Identifying the enemy in Afghanistan remains a major challenge. Even before Osama bin Laden was killed, the Al-Qaeda terror network had been decimated in Afghanistan. But the Taliban, the radical Islamist group that gave Al-Qaeda refuge to plot the 9-11 attacks, remains a potent force. Their leader, the elusive Mullah Omar, is rarely seen or photographed. This FBI composite shows what he may look like today.
6: The Taliban gets about a third of their revenue, we believe, from its connection with the illegal narcotics industry, the biggest in the world, of course. A great deal of the funding of this insurgency comes from drug trafficking. We see both major drug trafficking organizations supporting the insurgency And now insurgent networks engage in drug trafficking on their own in
0: order to fund their own activities. Mike Marsak is regional director for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Over 90% of the opium produced
6: in the world uh, comes from Afghanistan, predominantly in the south. Of course, that's converted to morphine, converted to heroin. So again, this is a huge challenge. Uh, for Afghanistan and an enormous challenge for the rest of the world.
0: But in Afghanistan, corruption is endemic, and some believe drug trafficking goes to the very top of power. On 28 November 2010, 250,000 U.S. State Department cables were released to the public by WikiLeaks, the Internet website committed to revealing government secrets. This cable, dated 6 December 2009, discusses the situation in Afghan President Hamid Karzai's hometown of Kandahar. It labels Karzai's younger brother, Ahmed Wali Karzai, a kingpin and involved in illicit and criminal activities. The U.S. Secretary of State weighed in.
5: The United States deeply regrets the disclosure of any information that was intended to be confidential.
0: But what is clear is that the WikiLeaks publication of these diplomatic cables and the disclosure of 70,000 Defense Department cables in October presents a clear danger to American troops and their mission in
3: Afghanistan. The battlefield consequences of the release of these documents are potentially severe and dangerous for our troops, our allies, and Afghan partners.
0: These disclosures did harm coalition efforts in Afghanistan. But for U.S. forces and the over 40 other countries, the
6: mission continues. I think Winston Churchill was the one that said, the only thing worse than allies is not having any. And uh, we're very grateful to have all of the allies that we have here, as well as uh, some great Afghan partners.
0: When our special report continues, we'll take you on a capture-kill mission to take out a terror kingpin. Throughout Afghanistan, from the trackless desert to high in the Hindu Kush, American troops go village to village making contact with the Afghan people.
4: The Marines like your bread.
1: <laughs>
2: I hope you're ready to make a lot because we're ready to buy a lot.
0: Captain Gerard Dempster commands a company of the 2nd Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion. The bazaar is really busy today. Uh, a lot of
2: individuals are out there, a lot of the ducats are open. Probably is a good opportunity to meet with some of the locals and to hear from them.
0: An essential principle of counterinsurgency is to live with and protect the population.
6: This is a village by village, valley by valley endeavor, and one of the Efforts we've made, particularly over the course of the last year, as we have increased the number of our forces and therefore the density of our forces on the ground.
2: The mosque that's there in the courtyard seems to be the perfect opportunity and the perfect place to kind of gather all these people up as they're following us through the streets, an impromptu meeting to sit down with them and conduct this
0: shura. A shura, or meeting, is an ancient custom here. It's the way Afghan tribal communities tackle and resolve local issues. Step up and
2: say, I'll be responsible for a canal project, or I'll be responsible for the roads.
0: Captain Dempster hopes to motivate the Afghans to take control of their own destiny.
2: You could take that project and then find people to work for them, and then they pay those people. That way, the money that is paid to those that are doing the work stays here in the, in the bazaar and stays here in this village. It's up to you.
1: I've come to listen first
0: hundred miles away, Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Grass, the executive officer of Regimental Combat Team 2, leads a similar meeting in northern Helmand Province. Colonel, you just led this Shura. How important are these to what you're doing in counterinsurgency?
3: Sir, our whole fight's about the people here, and uh, they're the center of the coin fight, providing them security and making sure that they understand that we're in tune with their needs. Meeting with them is paramount, to understanding uh, their situation, their needs and uh, eventually giving us enough information to do the right thing and uh, so that they perceive it's the right thing for them.
0: Shura's meetings and face-to-face time with the locals all yield information on Taliban activities and the drug trade that fuels their insurgency.
7: The primary funding of the Taliban is through drugs.
0: Carson Ulrich leads a DEA FAST unit here in Afghanistan. What does FAST, F-A-S-T, stand for?
7: It stands for Foreign Deployed Advisory and Support Team. A FAST team is a small group of agents, currently ten agents, and our job is to target uh, drug organizations and how they interwork with the enemy, Taliban, fund the enemy and uh, try to remove that asset from the insurgency, the drugs.
5: It will go down in history as probably one of the most important missions that DEA's ever been on.
6: Michelle
0: Leonhardt is the administrator of the DEA. Administrator Leonhardt, this is a poppy field. We're in Helmand Province, the literally bread and butter for the Taliban. What can the DEA do to help stop this harvest from coming in and benefiting them?
5: Well, the DEA is already doing a number of things within Afghanistan, and especially here in Helmand. And this is what funds the insurgency. This is what breeds corruption. And really, men and women Uh, addicted on the streets of the United States and in Europe and Russia and other countries.
0: FAST units partner with Special Operators, Army Special Forces, Marine Spec Ops, and Navy SEALs, among others.
5: We can't do our job without them. Uh, They allow us to get out to um, other areas of Afghanistan besides the main area of Kabul.
0: They also partner with Afghan
7: commandos. There's actually two types of Afghan police officers that support DEA. We have a, an SIU, which is an investigative unit, and we have the NIU, which is kind of like a, an Afghan SWAT
1: team.
7: The DEA
4: has long had a great uh, intelligence capability. Keith Weiss is a senior DEA agent. We're able to deliver this information directly into the hands with the military planners. We work directly with them, and then plan missions and uh, execute them.
0: On this operation, DEA is acting on specific information about the location of a Taliban drug trafficker. Launched well before dawn, 40 operators head southeast from Jalalabad, flying between the soaring peaks of the Hindu Kush. Now with the sun up, The two Mi-17
4: Russian helicopters and three Huey gunships close in on the target. The men and women of the DEA uh, realize that the stakes are very high here in Afghanistan. Um, We take this very seriously. We are here to assist our U.S. troops in every way we can. And we feel by every operation that we go out and are successful. We're taking money away from the Taliban.
0: Once on site, the agents and special operators head uphill to the objective.
4: Yeah, we have here is a uh, confidential uh, source that's with us. He's uh, essentially someone who has uh, intimate details of the organization. He's able to lead us right into the area where all the drugs and chemicals.
0: The Taliban purport to be a deeply religious organization, but today they're supported by the opium trade. Cutting their financial links is the mission of the DEA and these special operators. This compound is on a rat line from the poppy fields of Helmand Province into Taliban-controlled Pakistan.
4: It's a precursor chemicals used to use basically heroin.
0: So, so this is used to take the opium,
4: turn it into heroin. Process it in a morphine base and then uh, in the final stages into processed heroin.
0: Wally, you're one of the leaders of the Special Investigations Unit. What have you found here?
4: Uh, we found, based on informant information that we debuted from yesterday, we found that 60 kilograms of morphine-based from so this compound. Of, a lot of morphine. Lots of morphine. Plus, we got some precursors which called chemicals, based on the
0: Afghan counter-narcotics law, it's illegal. No other use for it out here, except
4: making heroin? That's right. And it would all go to help the Taliban? That's right. The Taliban get their financial from, from the money from the trucks.
0: NIU agents pull out bags of heroin, and the special operators wire the contraband for destruction.
4: I'm I'm pretty happy that we seized all those type of drugs. It's a lot lot of narcotics. It is, yes it is.
0: But on today's mission, this location isn't the only target.
4: This location is supposed to have over 100 kilos of heroin and about uh, 350 kilos of opium.
0: There's more ahead on our special report. Don't go away. High in the mountains of eastern Afghanistan, less than 20 minutes by air from where Bin Laden was killed in Pakistan, special operators raid a way station for opium traffickers.
6: Our main job in country really is to uh, work with our Afghan partners.
0: The masked informants who led them here have also identified a nearby drug processing
4: lab. We just got intel that the, there's, um, but seven donkeys and three adult male uh, departed the compound, and uh, all the donkeys are fully loaded. So we're assuming
0: it's uh, they're um, smuggling all the dope out. With a smoke grenade marking the extract LZ from location one, all 43 Raiders board helicopters and head to the second objective.
5: Afghanistan produces over 90% of uh, the opium and heroin. Uh, so DEA needs to be here. We have a responsibility to be here. So we've prioritized Afghanistan.
0: Minutes later, the task force arrives at the target.
4: Let's get him, let's get him, let's get him. This cop belongs to a significant organization with ties to the Taliban.
0: After a dangerous assault up the mountain to the compound, they find most of the lab workers escape. But they didn't bother to take their children. You guys have something to break a lock with?
6: One more round.
1: Narcotics. Heroin! How many bags do you think?
4: It's a kilo pack. How much would that get on the street? In Afghanistan, approximately $3,000.
1: And in the US?
4: $75,000 approximately, a kilo. What we have are all the components of producing heroin. You have raw poppy, you have processed opium from the poppy, you have. Uh, the chemicals that are necessary to process the uh, opium into morphine base and heroin. And what you have here is a finished product, kilograms of heroin with uh, particular markings that belong to this organization. This kilogram of heroin. Uh, Is essentially processed and refined and ready for transshipment out of the country and into further markets.
0: This is their trademark?
4: Yeah, this is a particular stamp that you'll find on a uh, a kilogram.
0: So would this be marketed just like this in Europe or the United
5: States? Yes, it would. We know from our many, many years of history uh, in the narcotics business that you cannot stabilize and secure Afghanistan without taking care of the drug
6: problem. We're privileged to support them on a number of those operations, as are some very good Afghan units, I might add. And there have been some very significant busts uh, of various illegal narcotics industry activities.
0: With one suspect detained, the task force prepares to blow up the second hall of contraband that day. Three, two, one, go! The raid over, we load up and fly back to base. We're here in a support role
6: in order to uh, build capacity, provide them the uh, training and expertise uh, through uh, specific programs, as well as uh, through uh, partnering on a day-to-day basis where we work hand-in-hand with uh, our Afghan counterparts.
1: We're a team of teams who are here in this country because we believe
6: that we can make a difference, that we can give the Afghans the ability to have hope and opportunity for the future.
0: We'll have more when War Stories returns. Most U.S. troops serve in Afghanistan's scorching deserts and high mountains. But there are also Americans hard at work in Kabul, the country's
6: teeming capital. Kabul's important, not just because it's the capital of the country, but because it's where one-sixth of the Afghan population lives 3.5 million people
0: unfortunately much of the money from the opium trade flows to middlemen and corrupt government
7: officials here where the DEA also has boots on the ground We're first and foremost criminal investigators so we bring that mindset to to the battlefield if you will we're looking at not just the drug cache but how this fits into the larger picture Identifying the organizations and trying to attack the organizations and its leadership
1: we've gotten a lot more of our Street agents in country now they interact directly with their Afghan counterparts
0: We accompanied a dea backup team for a meeting with a Taliban informant we agreed not to identify the agents Can you Tell me about this this meeting we're going to here
1: we're Going to meet with a uh, cooperator who is providing very significant information and, uh, on a group of bad guys here.
0: Recruiting informants is extremely dangerous. That motorcycle just made me a little nervous. It's a lesson driven home by what happened in December 2009, when CIA officers, 90 miles south of Kabul, met with a Jordanian informant recruited to infiltrate al-Qaeda's leadership. He blew himself up, killing seven CIA employees and a Jordanian national. How long does it take for you guys to develop a confidential informant like the one we're about to
1: see? It depends. They're developed in all different manners, but the vetting of the individual, the corroboration of the type of information the person is providing DEA, uh, that's the lengthy process. Intelligence gathered this way
0: seriously disrupts the drug trade that fuels this insurgency and often leads to weapons stockpiled by the enemy. Tell me about those IEDs that you
1: guys found. There's been a series of We've gotten about four of them recovered in the last month. They had a couple of uh, remote control detonating IEDs which, with cell phones, and uh, we got two of them in about a three or four day period.
7: Our involvement and our ability to take those drugs and that asset away from the Taliban stops them from being able to purchase the weapons and maintain their insurgency.
0: On this op, the informant is recruited at a gas station outside of Kabul.
1: The level of this cooperator is very significant, and uh, we'll move to a second location where you guys will not go. Let's just say
0: that this guy passed on some information. Who makes the decision as to whether an operation is going to be launched based on that information?
1: something comes in, it may be something that tips the scale where an operation can be.
0: And human intelligence collected in high-risk operations like this is crucial to defeating the enemy. The transit route from Poppy Field to Market is long and complex. It requires farmers, processing labs, and shipping stations. The DEA and their Afghan counterparts monitor these rat lines, collect intelligence, and interdict the flow of drugs this is how nearly all of these missions begin it's the middle of the night the helicopter crews are out preparing the aircraft the rest of the troops are inside the hangar and just before dawn we'll mount up get aboard the birds and fly off to the objective afghanistan is some of the most inhospitable terrain known to man on this mission it looks like the red planet of mars Helicopters transport the DEA, Spec Ops, and NIU Raid Force to the objective, cleverly camouflaged in the desert. These two shelters are a desert drug lab. They were found through intelligence means. They contain opium and hashish. The DEA agents and special operations troops, both Afghan and American, mean to see that none of this ever makes its way to market. So tell me what we've got down here.
2: All right, sir, right now what's going on is basically We've got a drug press in tent one, like we anticipated. The DEA guys are doing their drug technical piece right now. Once they're done with that, the chargers are getting prepped. We're going to burn both structures. We found drug uh, hash in
0: the second tent. The patrol's out right now. They should be back in about 20 minutes. They're looking for caches. should be out of here about 25, 30 minutes. The special operators set fire to the lab and blow up the drugs and processing equipment. DEA also targets transshipment locations, way stations and stash houses on the opium rat lines that bring heroin to market. This looks a little bit like Shangri-La, but it's not. Pakistan is just the other side of that ridgeline, and this is a major opium transshipment point. And inside, look at this.
4: So far we've found morphine, heroin, and poppy seeds. We got 100 kilos of uh, heroin in this first building already,
1: and about 10,
4: 10 kilos of uh, hash. Tell me again the street value of this. Well, uh, just right here, street value for the heroin in Afghanistan is probably about $200,000 in the U.S. Probably approximately three million dollars. How
0: much of this would have gone to the Taliban?
4: All of it. All the proceeds from narcotic proceeds goes to the Taliban in this region. Traffickers mark it with an emblem so they can identify their product. This stuff's ready to go to market. This is ready to go. It's a uh, hash. So where's the lab? This guy's lab is out in the mountains. He um, what he does uh, cooks a dope, mor- uh, opens the dope more opium to morphine, and it converts from morphine to heroin. Then he brings it into this compound and stashes it. So this is on the transshipment? ship uh, to Pakistan. This stuff was on its way. Correct.
0: Thanks to special operators, US agents and their Afghan counterparts, these drugs will never make it to market. There's more stories of commitment and courage just ahead. civilian hearts and minds is a key element of victory in Afghanistan. Tech Sergeant Richard Oberstar is an Air Force PJ, a Spec Ops pararescueman, saving American, NATO, and Afghan lives. So, what percentage of your cases are Afghan civilians?
3: Well, I guess I would put it at about 30 percent, 30 to 40 percent.
0: It's got to be very satisfying to know you're saving lives.
3: Uh, I believe it's very, very satisfying. Uh, I'd like to give a lot of the credit to the air crew that's flying us there as well because it is a team effort.
0: We accompanied them on multiple casualty evacuations.
3: One of the calls that we get is a uh, four-year-old boy, local national. He's been hit by a truck and stable vitals that we have. And we have to transport this intubated patient that's on a uh, ventilator bring him to the Roll 3 here in Kandahar, which is a higher echelon of medical care. With a 30- to 45-minute flight, we have to ensure that stabilization continues with monitoring, making sure that the ventilator is running, making sure, noting any changes to the patient's status. His father
0: was terrified.
3: Father was upset, naturally, but we're going to keep him on board our aircraft, and we're going to try to provide some level of comfort for him as well, and uh, have him as an escort for his son as we bring him to uh, Kandahar.
0: The U.S. Air Force Special Operators fly the young boy to Kandahar for treatment. He's whisked into a medical facility and immediately given the best care available in Afghanistan.
3: Let's say within a given month, if you run 50 calls, that'll tell you the number of people, uh, local civilians that we're picking up, which is uh, winning hearts and minds here in Afghanistan.
0: For American troops on the ground in Afghanistan, some of the lessons learned during the surge in Iraq are being applied here.
6: We recognized in Iraq that what really mattered was having the Iraqis support their government and their security forces, and the the same is true here with the Afghans.
2: The principal thing for us is trying to establish the uh, the security uh, within the local areas provided by the Afghans.
0: Brigadier General Larry Nicholson knows how important security provided by Afghan National Forces is to victory. Every Marine here uh, is, is not only a, a combat Marine, but he's a trainer.
2: And they're going to be working very closely with the police, the army, and the much ahead.
4: They're going to be shooting a pad of the torso on each target!
0: Right now they're doing some marksmanship training. Marine Major Jordan Walzer trains Afghan soldiers and police. This is just normal training they do between
3: operations. These guys are fully trained and they go out with us on operations. In fact, they just came off an operation.
2: It's a fully partnered force. We live together, eat
3: together, fight together.
2: Uh, this is going to be their show eventually. So uh, again, we're totally partnered. There's really
3: no difference between uh, between us and them.
0: This is essential to counterinsurgency: training, mentoring, and partnering from small units to the very top.
6: We can do all of the language and cultural training available to man and still never have the language and cultural ability that they have and the understanding that they have.
2: I'd like to uh, call to everyone's attention that Joe Hyatton has, uh, has been the brigade commander uh, of his brigade in Hellman for four straight years. He is known by all as the Lion of Hellman. It has been a great honor for me to associate with such a great warrior. I will tell you that there's not an issue that we have faced in the last 12 months My number one personal confidant, the number one
4: person I sought advice from, uh, is my partner here at Jomohala.
1: For the last couple of months, we have been like brothers. We have fought like best friends. I'm really thankful to the American military. They send the best soldiers and Marines to Afghanistan. They bring security to one of the hardest and most dangerous places in Afghanistan.
6: So the, the good units, those who have been in existence for a while, who have gotten experience uh, in combat who uh, have good leaders very much get it about what it is that we're trying to do.
2: I think when I came here I was hoping to find somebody I could work with. I was hoping to find an Afghan partner. Not sure I
0: counted on finding uh, an Afghan brother, but, but I have, a lifelong brother. It's not just American men on the front lines.
5: We are denying that sanctuary and that ability of the enemy terrorize the rest of the world.
0: Army Major Mariah Taylor is on her second tour of duty in Afghanistan.
5: I believe that together the coalition and the Afghans and the U.S. are um, really working towards improving the quality of life for the Afghan people.
0: Lance Corporal Shannon Bortman is a member of a female engagement team or FET.
5: The FET team I've been doing for a couple months now. I really like it. I think it's really good for this country because the military can't talk to the women.
0: We've
2: uh, broadcast over our radio uh, that there's going to be a clinic for the ladies and for the uh, the females uh, in Connation. We've got a female engagement team that's down
5: here. We're going to go in and, and talk with these females. These gentlemen have said it's all right if just the females go in there and speak, so we're going to take Holly in there. She's going to translate for us.
0: Lieutenant Hannah Sides understands how critical female engagement teams are, and translators like Holly are indispensable to their mission.
1: These women, all they really want is stability and a future for their children. We're just going to find out
5: if they need anything and how everything's going in their lives and what their lives are like here. That's about all we're doing. It was good. They were, um, they're were they breaking fast right now, so they were making um, dinner for tonight. They were a bit surprised to see oh. females out here. They said that they really appreciate us coming in and talking to families, seeing what they need. They would like medical care and they really respect the females coming in to talk to the families. It's good and and the more that we come out here and the more they see us, the more they'll get used to us and the more they'll open up to us.
0: The Capture-Kill mission to take out bin Laden is next. Don't go away.
6: I think the essence is that this is about trying to ensure that there's not another 9-11 attack that is planned on Afghan soil. For General
0: David Petraeus, America's mission in Afghanistan is clear, and in the fight against Al-Qaeda, the death of Osama bin Laden was a great victory. That capture-kill mission, executed by a joint special operations command task force on May 2nd in Abbottabad, Pakistan, was a textbook example. Of direct action Direct action is where you get a piece of intelligence or somebody to take you to a target and you go out and you attack that target and take care of it. Locating bin Laden in his walled compound was a result of years of highly sensitive and dangerous intelligence collection and analysis by the CIA and other U.S. agencies. On April 29th, his location was confirmed. By then, Navy SEALs and Army Night Stalker air crews had already been rehearsing the mission for weeks. Two May 0030, Night Stalker helicopters take off from a secret base in Afghanistan headed for Abbottabad, Pakistan. Aboard, 24 U.S. Navy SEALs. Undescended to the compound, one helicopter was damaged. The bird goes down, a backup bird came in. Pilots that were there destroyed the bird, while the seals were getting Osama bin Laden. At approximately 0100 local, the seals breached the compound walls. First of all, you're moving. It's not like you're sitting there as a sniper and, and watching
2: for the for the good shot. You're you know, you are going in there to take control and and to finish the mission. So you know, first guy through the door breaks left. Second guy breaks right. Third goes left. You hug the walls go down force the targets in the middle so you don't get friendly fire on each other and then you go on to the next room
0: in the white house situation room the president and his national security team watched the raid unfold in real time the six foot four inch bin laden along with his 29 year old fifth wife were found on the third floor find a target attack the target neutralize the target come home direct special operations is is kind of the bread and butter of the seal teams justice has been done USA! 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 the nation celebrated an intelligence analyst began the hard work pouring through the treasure trove of documents videos and computer drives the seals retrieved the u.s department of defense released this captured video showing a pathetic bin laden watching himself on tv for general david petraeus who's
6: nominated to be the next cia director the materials recovered from the compound will be invaluable In short, I have enormous respect for the men and women of the agency, and if confirmed, I will do my utmost to serve, to represent, and to lead those great intelligence professionals. Though bin Laden is now dead, the
0: war on terror isn't over. Today, over 100,000 Americans serve in Afghanistan, two-thirds of all coalition forces in the fight.
6: At the end of the day, To accomplish our core objective of ensuring that this is not once again a safe haven for Al Qaeda or other transnational extremists, there has to be an Afghanistan that can secure and govern itself. Until then, young Americans will continue to serve
0: and sacrifice.
6: What's the toughest part of your day? Well I think actually any time that you get news of casualties, Uh, of losses, of seriously wounded uh, troopers, that's the toughest part of the day. And uh, that never gets easier, as you know. Occasionally, journalists ask if you can get hardened to that. You know, do do you get inured to that? Uh, I have not found that to be the case.
0: More than 1,400 Americans have made the ultimate sacrifice in Afghanistan, 18 of them Navy SEALs. During the War on Terror, two Navy SEALs have received our nation's highest award for valor, the medal of honor petty officer michael Monsur in iraq and lieutenant michael murphy in afghanistan on may 7th one week after bin laden was killed the u.s navy christened a new destroyer the uss michael murphy her sponsor murphy's mother maureen i
5: want to be very close to all the crew members of the michael murphy and anyone that steps on board that ship
2: as far as special operations forces collectively go, I think it's full employment for a long time because we are in an insurgency, we have to succeed on an insurgent battle space, and the experts
0: in this are our special operations forces. Across the country, Americans take great pride in the mission executed to take out bin Laden, including former Navy
7: SEAL Nelson Miller. The nation sent the best unit on earth to do the mission to kill that guy the other night. It's fantastic, but they didn't do it by accident. We've proven ourselves in combat for years now, and uh, the, the president had choices on who to send, and he sent the SEALs, and I have nothing but pride for those guys, and a large portion of jealousy that I wasn't sitting on the helicopter nice to
0: As you've seen in this special report, The combined effect of military pressure, mentoring Afghan national security forces and cutting the flow of funds from the opium trade are all essential elements for winning this war. Training, partnering and sustaining Afghan security forces until they can defend themselves and sever the ties between opium and terror are core principles for victory in this book. Those challenges are being met by tenacious soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and highly skilled DEA agents. Theirs are war stories that deserve to be told. From Helmand Province, Afghanistan, I'm Oliver North. Good night.